it never happens exactly the way you plan. It just doesn't. But if you just say, this is the mission and this is how much time we have to yeah. accomplish the mission yeah. or retreat, because sometimes you have yeah. to retreat. I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit who you are. Sometimes you have to call it. Yeah. You do. And th again, that might be counter to what a lot of people say, but I'm sorry, this is life. Yeah. It's not going to, you can't win every time. And you, you know, you, they're like, oh yeah, burn the boats. Just go until you die. It's like, no, sometimes yeah. you need to live to fight another day to do another mission. Whatever your situation is currently is not your forever situation. That's really what real business owners is, man. Like we don't care where you come from. Yeah. Where are you going? Our goal and our job is to reduce the mistakes that you have to make or the money that you have to lose. You want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be successful, don't give up. You learn, adjust, and continue to move forward. Welcome back to another episode of Real Business Owners with myself, Trevor Cowley. Today we have Austin Lofiofong. <laughs> Did I, did I, did yeah, I, did yeah. I, did I do it right? Did yeah. it make me sound smart? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could sound yeah. hit and go, La yeah. Fever. La Fever. So it's good to have you, man. Yeah. Thank I'm you. excited for the episode. So, um, man, I don't, I don't even know where to start to kind of crack you open because, you know, just in chatting with you over the last 30 minutes or so, there's just so many different, um, areas in your life that your experiences, I guess, right. That yeah. you've had, um, that led you to this business that you currently have that's this little gold mine right and I want to like jump right into that but at the exact same time I also want people to understand you know your background a little sure. bit more so that they can maybe put two and two together and say okay well no wonder why he found a gold mine because it's not just <laughs> like he tripped over something and it like smacked him in the face you're a smart guy yes and no and you figured it out <laughs> because of you know you're smart and so if you will, tell them uh, a little bit about yourself in terms of, you know, like the military background. One, why did you choose the military? Because usually that's a big life-altering decision yeah. for a young person. Maybe you were a G.I. Joe freak or something <laughs> as a kid. I don't know. Kind of all know. of the above. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I and and he, came, he came in here strapped. So <laughs> he's, uh, he's, 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 he's armed and dangerous right now. So I'm watching what I say. Well, I still remember, actually, I, I did have G.I. Joes. And I remember yeah. my dad got super pissed one day because he ran him over with the lawnmower. Yeah. And one of them, the leg got, like, chopped yeah. off. Yeah. And so then my brothers and I, or my brother and I, we would just act like, oh, he just got it blown off yeah, the board. That's you know, like, military imagination. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, I think I always had a feeling that I was going to be in the military someday, which yeah. is, I don't know why. Maybe yeah. it was G.I. Yeah. Joe's. G.I. Joe's were huge when I was a kid, and I remember watching them, uh, did the cartoon, and then playing with the action figures. I actually got to go back farther. So when I was, uh, when I was 16, um, actually, I think I was, I was probably 17. I was in high school, and this is the first time I really got a taste of being an entrepreneur. And um, anyway, I, I was applying for a job with this guy who was in my church, and he owned this com this computer company called Computers Inc., where he ran you know wires through the ceiling to do internet and mm. other things. And I was like, man, I want to get that job. It's like fourteen dollars an hour, you know. That's we, big. That's that big money. Big money then. back yeah. then, man. Big money. And so it's not even minimum wage in California. So he, he says to me, yeah. he, he's like, all right, Austin, if you want this job, I don't do interviews. I give you a task and then I see how you do. Mm. Okay. What's the task? He's like, I have a peach tree in my backyard. I want you to pick every single peach off that tree. Okay. He's like, all right, be there Saturday at 9 a.m. So 
I got there at 9 a.m. And, dude, this tree was huge. This was not a small beech tree. Bro, when you were saying that, I have an orchard. Really? Um, Yeah, and I have big, massive, very aged peach trees. And how much do they they produce? And so when you're saying pick this, it doesn't seem like a lot, even to the listeners or whatever, where somebody says, yeah, sure, I'll pick peaches. But one full, big, massive peach tree, that's a job, bro. Especially for that's a, a big a job. teenage kid. Yeah. And teenage kids yeah. typically like to slack off. Yeah. You know, I was no, you know, stranger yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, but I was determined to get this job because mm-hmm. I had that motivation. I was like, no, I want that job. Yeah. So I was there all day, not taking breaks. I was just climbing, getting cut up, climbing to the top, getting everything I could. Finally, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna finish before dark. So I called two of my buddies and I said, Hey, look. Help me out. Help me out. I, I need I need somebody who can help me out, whether it's mm-hmm. giving me a boost to get a little bit higher or, you know, whatever. Anyway, we finish and it's it's late late at evening afternoon. And uh he comes out, his name's Jim. Jim comes out and he's he's looking around and he's like Holy crap. Didn't expect it. He's like, I don't see one peach left on that tree. I was like, You told me to get all of them. He's like I know, but every time I've ever hired a high school kid to do this, yeah. they always left at least 40 or 50 on there for me to eat. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, well, you gave me instructions. Yeah, they'll go back quick. And so he, uh, yeah, he, he hired me. And that was like my first like real feeling of like, here's the challenge. Here's the task. If you do it, you get what you want. Yeah. You know? Wow. And, uh, and that kind of took me down a, a that first kind of entrepreneur road. I, yeah. That wasn't an entrepreneurial experience. That was just to get a job, but still that victory. Yes, there was know. something that you wanted and you had a hurdle that you had to overcome and you figured out a way to do it. Yeah. Right, calling the homies. When did the military come in? So <clears throat> after high school, um, I served a mission for my church, you know, uh, came back, met my wife really quickly. We got married, and then I actually got in Dixie here in St. George. So we actually oh, lived here in St. Yeah, yeah. It, it's Utah Tech now. Um, so we were here for about a year. Well, guess what year it was? It was 2008. So as soon as we got married, everything crashed. Yeah. And my wife was, a, you know, she graduated cosmetology school before we got married. So she was bringing home the bacon. Like I, I was just going to, I was doing 17 credit hours, just trying to do school as fast as possible. What were you going to school for at the time? Uh, business. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, she, she got handed a notice from her salon. They're like, Hey, we're closing our doors tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we got to figure something else out. This is yeah. just not. And I went to an event where there was a army recruiter, recruiter mm-hmm. and he said, Hey, have you ever thought about the military? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, my whole life, I felt like at some point I would mm-hmm. serve in the military. He said, well, why don't you come by and let's chat? So I went to the recruiting office, which used to be over by the mall, and he wasn't there. Yeah, he was and, down from Arctic Circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went yep. in there. Yep. Yeah. And he wasn't there. So then I talked to like a Marine guy, and, and he, mm-hmm. I don't know, he just seemed a little too much for me. I was just like, all right, man, calm down, you know? Um, Finally, my, I told my mom I was thinking about it. I said, hey, I'm thinking about it. And she said, well, hey, our neighbor was Air Force for 30 years, and he says that the Air Force has the best benefits for families, so mm. maybe you should go talk to the Air Force recruiter. So I did, and this guy knew what he was doing, man. 
He took, you in. he took my wife and I to Chili's. We were starving students. I mean, Chili's was a treat us. We felt like we were rich. Oh, we were we, getting we yeah, VIP'd. Yeah. 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 And he's like, order whatever you want. You guys, dessert, whatever you guys want, order it, you know? Wow. And man, he just reeled it in. And you were signing papers by the end of dinner? Pretty much, yeah. pretty much the next day. Yeah. My wife and I were like, okay, let's do this. And, um, they put me in what's called DEP, the delayed entry program. So because I spoke Croatian, Bosnian, and Serbian, they were like, hey, we would love to bring you in as a linguist. Uh, the problem was we had just, you know, we basically were fighting in the Middle East. So Slavic-based languages just weren't in high demand. Yeah. So they asked me if I wanted to learn Arabic or Urdu, and I was like, no, I don't. So anyway, yeah, we um, we were in that delayed program, hoping that a, a spot would open up for those languages, and it yeah. never did. I just told the recruiter, I said, hey, what else is available? And he's like, well, we do have this job in intelligence. There were some challenges there, especially even at basic training. I mean, the first day they bring you in, it's like two in the morning. and Trying to break you down a little oh, bit. They, they spend about five weeks breaking you. Mm. And that's their whole job is just to break you. And after that fifth week, they take you to the obstacle course where they, they, they give you like a 60-pound ruck. Yeah. They have you run about three miles to the course. The course is three or four miles, I can't remember, but with obstacles. And you have to stay running or jogging to each one. And if somebody's on the obstacle, you have to stay and jog in place. You know. And then they, they get you, you put your ruck on, and you, you run mm -hmm. back to base. And it was, dude, it was middle of... Uh, I think it was the or it was the end of August, so it was brutal. End of August, Texas heat. It was terrible, and I mean we were all dehydrated. We were just yeah. like, "This sucks," you know. But I'm telling you, that day that we made it back from that day forward, if you made it through that, they then started telling you, "You can do anything. You're unbeatable. Nobody can kill you. You can do whatever you need to do. You know, you can accomplish every mission. Anything that gets put in front, you like everything was just reinforcing." You're, like, you're a freaking soldier, you know, yeah. those first five weeks, they're just, yeah. everything you do is wrong. And it, it breaks down your yeah. belief and your confidence to a level where you're like, you're just terrified that you're always going to make a mistake. But then after they get you through the ring, cool. yeah, so they kind of break you down to then build you up and, yeah. and make you think and act the way they knew. Well, why why invest time uh, and energy and effort into an individual to try to build them up? If they're if they're gonna break so easily under just any circumstance, right? So let's 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 put them in a pressure cooker. Let's see if they'll break, and if they don't break, then they're worth the time, energy, yes. and effort to build them up because now we have somebody, right? Right. And so that's got to be you know the concept behind it because why why build somebody up that the first time that they face any adversity or somebody. Yeah yelling at them or that, that, that they're going to fold anyways, right? And there was a lot that did. I will say this, that when I got out and went to my technical training, because after basic, they'll basically send you to whatever your, whatever your career field yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and mine was still in Texas, the training. There's, a, there's an intelligence base there that they, they train pretty much all intelligence, whether you're from Army, Air Force, or other. Um, and when I got there, they actually made me uh, a red rope, which... That basically puts you in charge of all the airmen in the entire complex, you know. So I was over like 200 airmen, and man, it was a challenge. It was a, it was a real. What was challenge. the hardest thing about it? Just dealing with kids that are 17, 18, 19 years old, and mm. and you're trying to. How old were you at that time? I was 22. 
so I was a little older. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even getting into the training and everything, it was just, it was very intense. I mean, I was in training for almost a full year and they, they would do crazy tests on you. You know, for instance, one, they had us memorize every single country and major city and major body of water, sea, everything. You only had 24 hours to basically memorize the entire globe. Wow. And, um, I was like, dude, this is sucks. Like yeah. this is, and what's crazy. I only missed two out of the whole thing. You know, it's, it, it's like once you're under yeah. the gun, you yeah. just kind of, you perform and yeah. And they, they get you into a level of confidence where you're like, Hey, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I, I can get, I can make this work. If I know? put the right <clears throat> focus and intent, and if I really want it bad enough, I could absorb this information yeah. and I could regurgitate. It's insane right? what yeah. the brain is capable yeah. of. I believe that. The brain is absolutely, and even when I got out, I got even more interested in human, where human intelligence. Yeah. Because I found that human beings are very readable. Yeah. We have a lot of tells. And- well, to, to your point, that this is why large corporations or companies, they know us better than we know ourselves. Yes. They spend tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars studying human behavior yeah. so that they could pull this lever and these this this reaction happens, right? Yeah. If we show you this, we already know the likelihood of this is going to happen. They do this in grocery stores. Yeah. Okay. So grocery stores, just so that you understand, and everybody picture the grocery store that you go to right now, right? When you walk into a grocery store, usually uh, right in the front, off to the right, what is normally there? Like what 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 section is that when you walk into a grocery store off to your right hand side towards the front? I mean, in so in my grocery store, which is well, I'm not talking about the one in Tropic because that one's small. Yeah. So in Springville, right when you walk into the right is well, there's guest services, but then you have your produce. Boom! You said it right yeah. there, produce. Okay. Yeah. So you've got your fruits, you yeah. have your veggies, your good options are immediately available to you right when you walk into a grocery store. Okay. And the statistic on it is is that humans make one good decision per 10 decisions that they make. The other nine are going to be bad. So what they do is they lay out the good decisions for you immediately and say, go ahead, get that bushel of apples or that bunch of bananas, get the, get the, the head of lettuce. So you can go fuck off the rest of your grocery list because you're more likely to grab the, the chips you're more likely to grab the ice cream. You're more, why? Because you feel so good about yourself that you made a couple good decisions that now your brain gives you the the non-guilty feeling for picking up the ice cream. Yeah. Right? But if you don't have anything healthy in your cart and you just had ice cream and you had chips and you had candy, you know, all the junk, you'd kind of feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. So this it's just manipulation. Sure. Right? And so- Let's give them some good options right in front of them. And then the rest of the 90% of the grocery store is going to be terrible. But that 10% that's good is going to be right up front because they want you to get your good decisions out of the way so that you feel good about making all your other bad ones. So it's mind-blowing how much human beings are creatures of habit. Yes. As much as we don't do the same things over and over, there are specific things that we oftentimes do not change. 
there was a study done even about human beings that when you work in an office building with a multi-stall bathroom, yeah. you try to use the exact same stall or urinal every single time mm. of the first one that you ever used. Yeah, probably without even thinking about it. It's Why just what it is. We do that. Once know. you have a validation or something that tells you it was a success, why yeah. would you change it? Mm. And so they just keep going to that same spot, same spot, you know? It's That's almost like back people... in the day, if you were a caveman and hunting, why would you stop going to the honey hole? Yeah. Right? Why stop? Fi why go fish in another pond if yeah. the fish are here? If the fish are right there. Yeah. Why go piss in another and there stall? Is, I mean, there's stall. merit yeah. to that. Yeah. There is merit to yeah. that. At the same time, it, it blows my mind when people will order the same thing every single time they go to a restaurant. They're like, why? I, I, that's the thing I like. Why would I go for something? That's what I do. I, I can't. I do. I, the... I, I mean, I will to an extent on some things, but for the most part, I like to try different things. I like to mix it up. No, me. And I think part of it is because when we tracked people, we look for patterns. And if mm. we have patterns, we can predictively analyze what they're going to do. And once we can do that, we can pinpoint where they're going to be and what you know, how to basically yeah. handle them, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think for me, like even sometimes I refuse to drive the same path. same streets or path yeah. to work Yeah. just in case someone's following me in a 476 populated yeah. town, which is, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's re like, who's going to follow me? Like yeah. Mr. Rogers, 87 years old. Like who cares? What is he going to do? You know, I, I would say if people look at their life right now, 90% of it's very repetitive and it's all habit-based. Yeah. So the moment that you wake up in the morning, what is it that you do? You know, it's going to be the same thing every day, right? Whether you stretch, whether you reach for your phone, Girl. whether you get up and go to the bathroom, if that's the first thing that you do, it's going to be the same thing. So if you start your day the exact same way, the next decision is just going to fall in line with yesterday's previous decision. So if you get up and you go to the bathroom and then you walk to your kitchen, wiping your eye boogers out of your eye, right. making your cup of coffee, my guess is you probably did that yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before. And so where does the pattern stop, right? So you, you then when you get your coffee, you probably sit there and you scroll if that's what you normally do. You'll do it again tomorrow, right? And you're going to scroll if that's what you normally do. Then from that, you're going to, okay, I go get in the shower. Then when you get in the shower, you brush your teeth either before the shower, in the shower, or after the shower, mm -hmm. right? You put your face lotion on before or after your deodorant, and you're going to do it the exact same time. I'm not going to put my deodorant on one day and then face lotion. It'll be the face lotion, then yeah. I have my habits, right? And I know exactly what my habits are. That's what's so crazy about it is that the majority of people live the exact same life over and over. The question is, are the habits and the life that you're living leading where you want to go? Yeah. That's the biggest question. So if we already know that we're creatures of habit and we're going to live pretty much almost 80 to 90% of the same day over and over, ask yourself, if in three years I keep doing what I'm doing, will I be heavier, more out of overweight? Will I be out of shape? Will I have more money? Like what do, does, will my relationship be healthier or will it be worse? Yeah. Right. And so it's like, for me, like, look at our closets. Not a lot of like every so often we'll change our shoes or this, sure. that, the other. Guess what? I like wearing the same hat. Why? Because it fits a certain way. Yeah. And I like the, the way that it fits. Well, it's funny. This is a great point actually to, to explain human humanity yeah. in a way. Yeah. We, 
we know that, hey, if we do this, it's it's not going to kill us. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Yeah. So therefore, let's- There's safety it. and comfort safety, in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot of cognitive dissonance when you do something different or out of the normal pattern. And so when we, and, and this is why entrepreneurs struggle though, is because they live a certain life and they want to get to this life. Yeah. But the cognitive dissonance of being able to do something you don't want to do because it doesn't feel good mm. and it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, give you the feelings that you yeah. had before, yeah. which feel safe. They feel right because they're safe and, mm -hmm. but they're not, it's not yeah. true. It's, it's yeah. a false sense of security. Dude, you, you, you hit on something though, that was, that was super interesting, um, that I want to dig into a little bit because that what what you touched on will be the hardest thing that anybody will ever do in their life, which is go up against a version of them that they are today. Yes. So you have to act in a manner in which you're not in order to change. Yes. Right. And so if you acting in a manner that you're not, it's going to feel uncomfortable. Right. If if I normally get up and do X, but today I've made a point that I'm going to go do this thing instead. Right. If I normally get up at 9 a.m. and then go Oh, you know, start my coffee. But if I decide the next day I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and I'm going to go for a run instead, like everything is so out of balance and out of whack. When you first wake up, you're just like, okay, well, this is the last thing that I want to do. And usually it's the last thing that you want to do that's going to create the change that you're actually looking for. The problem is there's that discomfort that you have to go through, which the majority of people just won't go through it. So here's, here's what's cool though. My training has actually provided me yeah. a lot of skills yeah. for that exact thing. Yeah. Because the military has almost perfected making people uncomfortable mm -hmm. and still accomplish the mission. Yeah. And and that's where a lot of people in everyday life, they just don't, they don't know how to do it. Like, what's the approach? How do I solve that? Yeah. I bet there's people probably going to listen to this podcast. They're like, yeah, how do I get out of that? How do I stop doing the old me yeah. so I can become the new me? Um. There was a study done on on mice and drowning, okay? And I don't remember the exact like uh, time, but it was it was crazy. They would basically put a mouse in water where it couldn't get out, right? Just in a, a bowl or whatever. And just as it was about to drown, they would pull it out of the water. And then once it got its heart rate came down and it got comfortable, they put it back in. And the first time it was going to give up was within three or four hours, something like that. Mm-hmm. Once it got put back in, it lasted another 32 hours Yeah, because it had hope that it was going to come out, that, yeah. that it was going to be rescued. If, as long as I, if, as long as I survive yes. long enough, and if I keep doing this, somebody's going to pull me out. So what do we learn from that? When I first got to brand makers, which we haven't got to this part of my story, but yeah. when I got to brand makers, which is a, it's a sales job, right? Yeah. It's 1099. You get paid. You, you eat what you kill. Yeah. So there's no money until you sell. Yeah. Um, I remember my, our CEO, which he, this guy has been a mentor of mine from day one. I love this man. Like he has just always been able to teach me more things. But I remember on the first day of training, he stood up on our table in the conference room and he's like, Austin, your life is going to suck. It's going to suck. It's going to be horrible. But I need you to give me two years. Give me two years and I promise you'll make more money than you've ever made in your entire life. And I was like, Okay. So I went home, I told my wife, I was like, hey, James basically said my life, our life is going to suck for two years. But he said, if I make it to the end of two years, he promises we'll make more money than we can make. And I said, 
I'm good with that. So I, I put a stamp on it. I said, okay, yeah. I got two years. You've been hell or high water, no matter how bad it is, I'm doing this for a minimum of two years. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't work by that point, okay, we'll go look for something else. My second full year at Brand Makers sold 1.3 million. Made more money than I ever made my entire life. Four times what I was making when I was in the military. Yeah. You know? And it's because I had already established, it's like, look, I, I don't care what happens. Like, I'm in. Yeah. I've already made that. I don't even have to think about it. I'll pay the price. And that's what a lot of people do, though, is they, they set the goal, but they don't set the parameter of how long am I in before I'm willing to say, okay, enough's enough. Yeah. And some people are like, don't burn the boats, burn the boats. Yeah. I'm like, that's not always the best approach because sometimes you really do suck at that thing. Yeah. And that's okay. If you learn that that's not for you, it's okay to change, but at least give it a real effort and go talk to somebody who's done it. Go talk to somebody and say, hey, how long did it take you? Yeah. Let them help you establish a timeline where it's like, because it's the same when we do mission planning to go perform a mission, it never works. The mission plan, it's never perfect. Yeah. It's like you can plan for every scenario that comes to your mind. It never happens exactly the way you plan. It just doesn't. But if you just say, this is the mission and this is how much time we have to yeah. accomplish the mission yeah. or retreat. Because sometimes you have yeah. to retreat. I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit who you are. Sometimes you have to call it. Yeah. You do. And th- again, that might be counter to what a lot of people say, but I'm sorry, this is life. Yeah. It's not going to, you can't win every time. And you, you know, you. They're like, oh, yeah, burn the boats. Just go until you die. It's like, no, sometimes yeah. you need to live to fight another day to do another mission. Well, there's always adjustments that need to be made, right? That's what I'm saying. Put, put it, it the does, time. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that your goals of wanting to be successful have to change. The end goal is still the end goal, but how yeah. you get there, you've got to adapt. You've got to adjust, right? Like, it might not be this business. In a lot of cases... The majority of times when people start their first business, that's just a vehicle to another business. They just don't know it yet, right? So that gets them in the game and then they start making money. Maybe it's a car detail business and it's a young kid and it's teaching them a lot about entrepreneurship and they're saving some money and then eventually a new opportunity gets presented to the more valuable version of them that they are four years down the road and then they start pursuing that thing handing yes. the business off to somebody else where they sell that little, that lawn mowing business that right. they started out of, out of high school or the accounts that they, that they have, right? Like there's, there's adjustments that need to be made. If you started a business at 20 years old, my guess is that's not going to be the business that you'll have at 40 years old. That's just your barrier of entry to get into the game and, and business will evolve. It'll get bigger, right. you know, over the course of time. And it just, well, and this is where I think there needs to be more training for entrepreneurs on yeah. the idea that once you have the timeline set, then it's tasks. Yeah. You focus on your habits, your tasks. Yes. You're not giving up. So might as well do It's like the reason I go to a gym is because I know once I'm there, I'm like, well, I'm not gonna just, well I might as well work down. It's yeah. like, I'm here. I yeah. might as well do it. Yeah. Because trust me, there are plenty of days where I don't want to work out. Yeah. There are plenty. Yeah. But- if I'm there, when am I going to just sit there on my phone? No, that I would feel just stupid yeah. about that, you know? So putting yourself in a sense of understanding, okay, I have this timeline. Why don't I just give it my everything for mm-hmm. this amount of time? And if it doesn't work, then maybe I'll look at other, or if I saw some 
you know, like progress. Yeah. Maybe I'll extend the timeline. Yeah. You know? Well, we did that with this podcast. We said when we started it. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's give it three to five years. Let's not, it, just like any business, you're not going to measure the results of a business in one month and be like, this business just doesn't work. Yes. You've got to give something enough time to show its worth, right? But you also have to give it 100% of your effort during that time period there's there has to be an exchange and yes. usually if you want something greater than what the average person has you're going to have to go through something a lot worse than what the average person has gone through 100%. so you talked about hey this mentor said the first two years are going to suck at this sales job but you're going to make more money than you've ever made so there was an exchange there i'll yes. live less than the average person for two years so that i can have more than the average person two years from now the problem is, is the majority of people aren't willing to do that step down in order to create an opportunity for a step up. Well, most or, people give up in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Two I weeks. mean, it's just, it, it, they don't give it time. They don't. I mean, e, e, your brain likes endings, dude. Yeah. So like if, if, and, and it's good point. like, it just does. Like, let's think, think about this. Um, people are okay dealing with the pain or suffering of doing whatever they do because they have a vacation planned right. in three months. There's right. an end to it. There's something that's coming up that's going to relieve them, which allows them to continue to show up and survive another day in this miserable job or whatever that they absolutely hate because they have something to look forward to. The suffering will end. Right. When I told people that I was going to run 10 miles a day every single day, and, they, and people would start asking, okay, like for how long? Their brain immediately asked for how long? Yes. Okay, and then how were you going to suffer? How the, and and I said, there is no end. I that's what I want. To, I said every day. Yeah, like because people wanted me to say, hey, yeah, I'm going to run ten miles a day for thirty days. Because we we want to know that there's an end to our suffering. Yes, right. That's just what it is, it's and true. that allows us to hold on for a little bit longer. This goes back to your mouse story. There was an end to his suffering when he got pulled out. Yes. When he got put back in, he was willing to suffer for an, a, 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 an extended period of time, way more than the original it's time. Ten times as much. Because he felt as though that it would come to an end. Yeah. So I'll endure for a longer period of time because I know eventually it will end. Well, and I think you, you ultimately want to get to the point where you no longer need timetables. But it's, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people are, act, you know, like you're saying, you give your brain maybe an ending, but as you go through the process, you just start living in the process. So and then time passes and that, that end point that you were originally looking for, that target mm -hmm. ends up being nothing by the time you get there. But at least when you started, you tricked your brain to give it a hundred percent effort yes. because there was an end. This is why 75 hard has taken the country by storm. Yeah. Because it gave them a hard goal yes. with a timetable and said, there is no breaking the rules. Yeah. If you break the rules, you go back to day one. Yeah. So people did it. But if I remember right, you took that challenge mm -hmm. and you kept going. Yeah. Why? Because I don't want to be like everybody else. See, you've, you have gotten to the point where you no longer need to end suffering. You embrace suffering as part of your life and accept it as... This is why I'm here. I'm here to take it and just keep going. Yeah. You know, I find peace and, and fulfillment in it. And there's very few people who get to that level. Very few. I, I like, this is why, uh, David Goggins, the guy is 
I mean, he seems psychotic. Yeah. The, the things he goes after, yeah. it seems psychotic, yeah. but it's not. So he has done the stuff where he set, you know, timelines or he yeah. set uh, a stamp and was like, okay, I'm only going to do it this far. But then when he beat it, the goalpost keeps going keeps, back. The goal, okay. It's just so never this ending. This brings me to a, a good point. Um, okay. So in my real estate business, yeah. I've, I've had a lot of people work for me. Yeah. Some of them, it just hasn't panned out. And I had a conversation with one of them not that long ago. And he said to me, he said, I just felt like you kept moving the goalpost. And I kind of just sat there and, and, and thought about it. And, and I was like, yeah, you're, you're probably right. I, I probably did. Yeah. Because that's how I live. That's how I, every time that goalpost gets reached, I'm like, okay, next one. Like, let's, let's move it out a little farther. Let's mm -hmm. go out a little farther. And, and that's the thing is like, he, he wasn't at that level where he could accept that. Yeah. And so he ended up quitting. He wanted an end. He wanted an end. He wanted to know that once we hit this point, we're good. And I don't blame him for yeah. it. He's, he's like five, six years younger than me. Yeah. He's had le different experiences, you know, like I don't think down on him one, like at yeah. all. I don't judge him for it. I in fact, it was good for him to point that out to me because I realized this is why people call me intense. Mm. They're always like, hi, oh, Austin's just so intense to work for. It's like, well, I don't like mediocrity. Yeah. I don't yeah. like settling. Yeah. I never have. In fact, I told my wife this year, I was like, hey, we're not going to invest in anything this year. Let's just, let's keep our 24 doors. Let's uh, invest in those, like maybe add some hot tubs, do, you know, do some yeah. other things. January 10th, somebody calls me up. Hey, you want to buy this boutique motel? Ah, yeah. uh, well, you know where I am right now. I said I'm not buying anything this year. Well, take a look at it. Happened to be a freaking home run deal. Yeah. It's just like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'd be a, I'd be stupid not to do this, you know? Um, but at the same time, I was like, okay, well, how can I do this deal but not raise my stress level. Cause that was one of the things I wanted to, to kind of get under control. Yeah. Get under control. Cause I got four kids Yeah, and my kids are getting older. My yeah. oldest is turning 14 this year. And it's like, look, I already deployed, you know, I already did a lot of things where I was away from my yeah. family. I want to take this time and I I've earned it, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I've set us up to where we can do that. Yeah. And, um, anyway, so, but I pulled in some of my students and I just said, Hey guys, I know this isn't exactly what you were looking for, but it'll make you, it'll basically give you a $60,000 return per year. And all you have to do is invest this much, which, and they were just like, tell me where to sign. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so it's like, I didn't have to have the burden of doing it all on my own. I didn't yeah. have to have the burden of coming up with the cash and doing all the things, you know? And so, and then I, I, I went to my manager who manages all my rentals right now. I said, Hey, look, man, You've been working your ass off. You've been doing great work for us. You've been solving problems. You do stuff without even asking me. You just get it done. I was like, how would you like to own 10% of this boutique hotel? I was like, if you take this on under the umbrella, I'll give you 10%. He was like, done. And he was texting me on the way up That's here. And he so was like, cool. hey, man, I already got a, a meeting lined up with our channel manager. I got this lined up for the the inspection. I got, you know, all this. I'm like, getting it done. Because, taking ownership over it. Well, right? And I told him, I said, look, I said, if you stick with me and you just work alongside me, I, I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be days where you don't want to punch me in the face. Yeah. Like I guarantee it at yeah. some point you're going to be like, dude, this guy, but I'm telling you, if you stick with me, my heart is always in the right place. And mm -hmm. I'm looking after you just like you're a wingman yeah. in the trenches with me. Yeah. And, 
And I told him that. And dude, he has just been there every step of the way. And every time I've lost my cool, I would say to him like, hey man, that wasn't you. That was just me losing my cool. It'll happen sometimes. And I apologize for that. I was like, I'm just processing this stuff. And he's like, you're good, man. You already warned me. You told me this was going to happen. And so he's like, I expected it and whatever. And so it, but see, I've had others that they were like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. You know? Too intense, can't and, handle and it. And I, I look at them and they had the same opportunities to own 10% yeah. multi-million dollar yeah. company. Yeah. And, you know, they chose differently because it was too much for them. Dude, literally the amount of stress that an individual can bear will determine how far an individual can go. It just sucks. It <laughs> is what it is though. Like it's... I don't know any other way around it. Maybe being born into, you know, rich is cool. But, like, this game is very, very difficult, and it's far more of a mental battle than anything else. And so when I got to a point where I was at a low point making good money, I'm like, okay, it's my mind. It's my mind that's the problem because logically everything else around me is fine. I make good money. My house is paid. Like I have a great wife. So, my kids are awesome. I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah. I want to ask you this. So at that moment where you finally said it's my mind, before that, did you blame circumstances and people around you? Uh, it was probably four or five years ago, something like that. I came home and told my wife I wanted a divorce because I blamed the stress and the pressure and the burdens that I was feeling on her. Right. It had to be something outside of me. It had could be. not have been me uh, because I'm strong. Yep. Right. Because I'm a man. business owner. <laughs> you're a man. I make good money. Uh, like there's, it's something else that's causing stress and pressure that I can offload or get rid of, yeah. but not my business. I, I and feel it, that And so it's much. not upgrading me because I'm already good enough because I'm already outperforming the majority of people. I'm already in the top 1%. So what is it that I, I can offload? And guess what? I went and got a rental property and sat in it by myself. And the only thing I thought about was my wife and my kids. Within five months, I was back at the house. I didn't date anybody else. I didn't do any of that. You know, none of that. And I realized at that point, I'm like, okay, well, sometimes when we deal with stress or pressure, we're looking for somebody else to blame it on. And at that point, you might make a bad decision based upon the fact that you're just not man enough or you're just not mentally strong enough to bear the load that you, you're currently bearing and you have to upgrade yourself in order to continue down that path. And if you don't do it, you will, you will literally destroy your life in the process. What you said is practically gospel because I can't tell you how many hours I spent blaming other people yeah other circumstances for my lack of success or my lack of hitting a goal or whatever it was or even if i hit it but i was miserable Mm -hmm. it wasn't my fault why would i blame me yeah my fault yeah uh you're hitting your targets but see that i think that's what got me to my low too yeah is i told you i had the best sales year i'd ever had sold 1.3 million got my little award went on stage you know hoorah yeah and then come second week of january i'm in my office with my gun wanting to just end it. Yeah. Just want to be done. Yeah. Now I didn't do it. You know, thanks be to God that I just was like, no, I promised I wouldn't do that. I lost my best friend that way. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. 
came home, saw my daughter, you know, my, as soon as I opened the door, my youngest, she's three, four years old. She's daddy, you know? Yeah. And I realized like, it's, it's my problem. Yeah. I'm the one, it's my mental, it's my mental my state. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because now, so I, I've been obsessed with the book, the four agreements, the last probably yeah. two, three be impeccable months. With your, yeah, yeah. Be impeccable with your word. Don't assume things, yeah. do your best, you know, just very, very simple things. Yeah. And as I've done that, and when we talk about being impeccable with your word, we're not talking about just honesty. Yes, that's part of it. It's also talking about refusing to say negative things about people, mm. refusing to blame other people mm. for your problems. Yeah. And it's crazy how I can literally read where someone's at as an entrepreneur based on how much shit they talk mm. about other people. Yeah. Especially people who have worked for them. Well, and you know that, what? All I, that is. You know how I know? Because I've done that. Yeah. Well, all, all we are, this, this, this vessel, this mind, all it is is a projector. If I put X movie in a projector and it, and, and it projects onto the screen, if, we're, if I put in Sandlot, it's going to play Sandlot, right? right? Like if, if I'm internally putting that movie in there, it's going to project what's in there, right? And so if I am negative internally, what's the canvas, the world and other people's? Yes. I'm projecting what I feel, what's in me onto the world. I will see the negative in you and I'm going to blame it on you or I'm going to see the negative in the world. And don't right. get me wrong. There are negative things and yeah. there are negative people, yeah. but where's the majority of your attention and your awareness? The question is, is if you blame that person or you blame the world, will it impact or improve your life in a positive way? That's the question. Yes. So if we place blame externally, am I now looking around at my life and all of a sudden it's enhanced? The answer is no. Yeah. If I look at myself in the mirror and I say, okay, I need to do something. That's the only way to enhance your life is to enhance yourself, period. Yes. Because then when you make this better and it feels good in your body and mind, guess what? You're projecting yes. good yeah. out into the world and you make the world a better place just be by becoming a better version of yourself. So I was just thinking, I watched a documentary, a weird documentary, not that long ago, uh, with, uh, oh, he was a whistleblower about doing work on UFOs. Uh, it wasn't the Snowden dude or whatever. That was no, the cell phone guy or something. No, yeah. no. And I, I got a lot of stories yeah. about that too, but, yeah. um, gosh, I can't think of his name. Uh, Bob Lazar, Bob Lazar. Right. Okay. So Bob Lazar was a, basically a propulsion expert. He worked on rockets and propulsion and they, they brought him in because they apparently, recovered some alien spacecraft and they wanted him to reverse engineer it. Okay. And anyway, in this documentary, he describes the difference between the aircraft we use and the aircraft that these UFO alien UFOs yeah. used. And he said, we use, we, we basically just blow things out the back and push ourselves forward. Right. So mm. we, we use rocket propulsion where yeah. it sends energy out the back, which then forces us slings you forward to the fore. He said, but UFOs, they do the opposite. They get everything out of the way that's in front of them where they want to go, and then it pulls them forward. They move matter that's in front of them to where there's nothing that can keep them where they are. It just sucks them forward. Mm. And I saw, I was like thinking about this, and I was like, man, maybe that's where we need to level up to where sometimes we're grinding and we're just pushing so hard. We're trying so hard to you know, use propulsion to bring ourselves forward when in reality, Maybe we just need to say no to more things. Maybe we just need to get things out of our, out of the way. So it actually pulls us to what we want. Yeah. 
And and so no joke, I on New Year's this last New Year's it was three weeks ago. Yeah. We used to have like a New Year's party, bring you know friends over and stuff, um, but we had just moved, and so we were in a new town, hardly know anybody. So I just said to my wife, "Let's do something simple this time," and I said, "Let's let's just take a piece of paper, each of us and our four kids. Let's write something we were grateful for from 2023. Um, let's write something we want to forgive and forget, and then let's write the one thing we want out of this year." And so we did that. We each wrote it down and we shared it with each other. And, and I'll be honest, man, I had 2023 was super challenging. I'd never had so many challenges in my life with, I mean, our remodel alone, I had contractors who bid the job. I paid them like 90% of the contract. They walked after doing 30 and they were just like, oh, well, we underbid the job. So you got what you paid for. Well, well that's not how it works, yeah, man. You yeah. know, but. I then talked to a lawyer. He's like, Hey, it is what it is. You know, like you can try, but you'll probably spend more in legal fees than what you get back. And anyway, long story short, we probably, we probably lost that. Plus I had a rogue manager that cost us like 20 grand, um, because he got some of our rentals shut down cause he wasn't answering messages. You just lots and lots of problems where I was like, here, I built this magnificent thing. Yeah. And just because people refuse to do the things they say they would do, I'm getting screwed like yeah. over and over. And so like, I, I, a lot of that year I spent just complaining about this person, that person, yeah. this person screwed me, that person problems screwed me. in front of you here. Yeah. And so I told my wife, I was like, I mean, I'm telling you those things happen because it's a fact that they happen, but I'm not going to say who it was. I'm not going to like, you know what? I'm going to just assume they did the best that they could. I'm just, that's where I'm at. With where they're at. With where life. they're at in their life. That was the best they could offer. And I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it for what it is and then I'm going to move forward. So anyway, we wrote all these things. We went out, we had a bonfire in our yard. We have a nice, you know, acre and some change and we, we built this big bonfire and everybody read and discussed what their, their three things were. And yeah. it was like, all right, let's crumble them up. And we threw them in the fire and we were like, oh, let's smoke go. from that. Yeah. It's going to take those to the heavens, to the universe, to God, to whatever it is. And that's, that's what our commitment is this year, you know? Mm. And it was so therapeutic cool. for me to just say, Hey, you know what? That stuff. Get it out of the way. It's gone. Yeah. New year. And I'm telling you this year, just, we, we were 20 days in or whatever. You're already getting opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Like stuff is coming out of, like I had, again, the boutique uh, hotel. I had a client reach out to me. I hadn't heard from them in four years and they wanted me to do this big event with them in Vegas. And then, um, I got, yeah. The, you got um, a direct message from Trevor. From Trevor. Yeah, real business you know, owners. Like, yeah. I've known these guys yeah. for like four years, and, yeah. you know, and then, uh, <laughs> I had a guy come out and he's like, Hey, um, do you need money? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, uh, I see what you're doing. I see your returns. He's like, I'll loan up to, you know, half a million dollars on any deal or 80% loan to value and a hundred percent of remodel costs. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I was like, now I don't have to use my own money, you know? And then I'm in a very, in fact, I, I talked phase of your life seeking phase where I'm seeking to like remove Mm -hmm. unnecessary things. And just allow the flow of yeah. universe or God yeah. or whatever, you know, to really- You're accepting just, things for what they are. Yeah. And it, I'll, and then when it's something feels bad easier. happening, you're trying to figure out the good in it or yeah. find the silver lining because it just, it is what it is and complaining about it doesn't make it go away. Yeah. So what could you do? Talk to the lawyer and Susan. Sure you can. Or you could just address the problem that you have in front of you, do the best with what you got and move on because in 10 years 
probably not going to matter. No. Right? Like you're going to be cash flowing from that property, even if you got screwed out of 30, 40, 50 grand. Like it's going to do what it's supposed to do over the long period of time. We just get pulled in, like into the pain or the frustration of the current moment. That's one thing I like about running because literally when I disconnect, when I'm in my head, and my legs are underneath me moving and they're in, and guess what the pain tries to do? It tries to pull me down right into my legs to where I'm thinking about the pain that my legs are experiencing. And I try to cut it off and focus just on my breath. Either I'm going to focus on my yeah. breathing and my posture or I'm going to focus on the pain. Okay. And the pain will make me stop doing the very thing that I'm trying to do, yeah. which is get this running over with. Or I could focus on my breathing and my posture and make it a lot easier and like your where where's your mind right is your mind in the pain or in the suffering of whatever it is that you're currently dealing with or going through or is it in the things that you could control to relieve yourself of having to think about the pain or the suffering that you're currently going through uh, right i'm giggling over here because no joke and this could be the reason you freaking reached out to me i don't know like 2 days ago I've told my, a story to myself my whole life. I'm not a runner. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a sprinter, yeah. you know, where I can sprint for short distance, yeah. but like long distance. I, I've just always, nope, your legs are too short. You're, you know, this, you're that, whatever. Yeah. And no joke, I was having this argument with myself probably two days ago. Is there somebody out there that could help me figure out, like, how to become a runner? <laughs> so after this, I might be hitting you up and being like, all right, man. I don't, I just... It's reps. Yeah, I know. I wasn't, dude, I, w I wasn't a runner either. Yeah. 30, 39 days before my 37th birthday, I said, man, I need to do something to prove to myself right now. that I'm getting better with age, not just financially. Yeah. Like, I really have to throw myself a curveball and see if I am who I think I am, right? If I'm if I'm as badass as, as this feeling that I have, but yet... I don't feel badass. It, right. I, it's kind of a, a weird, I don't know how to, how to say it. It's like you feel called to do something great and you feel like that you're a badass, but at the exact same time, you're at a low spot. You're like, well, why do I feel like a low spot? I feel like I should be doing badass shit. Yeah. And, and, and logically, if you look at on paper, I am. Yeah. Right. And so literally, you know, we, 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 we talked about just putting a date out. Boom. Yep. This is what I'm going to do it. Your actions change like that. Yeah. If you told me right now that you're going to run 30 miles in the next 40 days, my guess is you're going to go home and you'll probably put running shoes on and you're going to get one or two miles in before you go to bed tonight. The next day, you're going to wake up and the first thing that's going to be on your mind is like, shit, now I only have 39 days before I can run 30 miles. I, bet I, can I better go see if I can do three <laughs> or four. Right. So yeah. when you make commitments and all out commitments where there is no way out, what's funny is your actions then truly start to change. Yeah. When we when we half ass make a commitment, eh, I, I might try this or I might do that. Like then you're going to find reasons why to not do that thing or to yeah. justify why you're not doing that thing. It was literally 39 days. I walked into a room full of people said, I'm running 37 miles on my 37th birthday. A couple of people laughed. I said, cool. I trained 10 times and did it. I'm not a, I, I wasn't a runner, yeah, yeah. right? Like at all, but you're not going to be a, a, a basketball player the first time you pick up a basketball, right? You're not yeah. going to be a great reader in right. second grade if you actually don't want to read, well, right? Like if you want to become a great runner, like 
And I'm not even, bro, I am not, I am so fucking slow when it comes to running. I, I know it's a long distance. Run, I bet you'd be me. But I'm I'm slow. I can't run the furthest. Yeah. But at the end of the day, nobody will beat my consistency and nobody will beat my discipline. This isn't about running for me. This is a mental game. This is me going against myself and my body is the medium to my mind. Yeah. And if I don't want to get up every single day to run 10 miles, good. Yeah. Because that puts me in the driver's seat where my mind knows that when I say I'm going to do something, it will submit to me and I'm going to follow through and do the thing that I said I'm going to do. So I'm getting my mental reps in every single day. So when I face something in business that I just don't want to do and my mind says, eh, it's all good. You don't need to do that. Guess what? I'm going to face it anyways right. because it's what I need to do to get the result that I said that I want. And so this is just a, this is a, it, 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 it I started thinking of when you brought up Goggins, right? I started thinking about some of these guys. I said, why the fuck do they do what they do? It doesn't make any sense. No. And I'm like, why would somebody go torture themselves and then the next day wake up and do it again and then do it again and then do it again? And I said, well, of course it doesn't make sense to me. I've never done it. Right. So if I've never had the experience that they have, then why would it even make sense to me? It's not going to. But then I asked myself another question. Why would they do it again? If it's so miserable, why would they wake up and do it again? There's yeah. something on the other side of that that they know about that very few people know about. Yeah. And I wanted to see what was on the other side of that to when see it, if they're really as crazy as they say they are. And in reality, the level of peace and fulfillment that you'll find on that level of difficulty is unlike it's the, the, the amount of pain and discomfort that you'll experience, you'll pin it on high over here. But guess what? When you walk into your house and you're done with that 10 miles every day, the pendulum must swing. It's a ecstasy and pleasure. It's a, it's a level of consciousness. You know, it's, uh, I think anytime you do that and you just keep doing the thing that you don't necessarily want to do, but you yeah. know what's at the end of it. Yeah. You, again, you talked about how, we love destinations. We love an end point. An end point. Yeah. And, and that's the end point is that, that reward at the end that only comes to you though. No one else can feel the it. cool no thing about it is there is an end point though. And that's what I tell myself when I wake up and get out of bed, when I don't want to do it, it'll all be over in the next hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> it'll be it's true. So, like we're still selling ourselves an endpoint. Yeah. I was going to the bathroom the other night before I was going to bed and I was just like, I was feeling overwhelmed because I started thinking about the big picture. Yeah. Like, holy shit, my legs are hurting. I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm getting calluses on the back of my, uh, on the back of my foot that's, that are cracking and that are, pa that, that's painful. And I started thinking, man, this is like, how am I going to do this for even the next like six months or the next year? Like, and, and like my anxiety kind of kicked up a little bit. And I just told myself right in the moment, you don't have to do it for the next six months. You just got to do it tomorrow. Yep. That's it. So if I wake up and do it tomorrow, cool. Why am I focusing on something that doesn't even exist yet? Something six months from now, when all I have to do is control what I do tomorrow. And then guess what? I wake up the next day and just control what I do that day. And then the next day. And then the next day. I just put the days together and the weeks, months, and years will figure themselves out, right? See, and that's, 
it's staying present, you know, staying yeah. not too far ahead. Yeah. Not focusing on the past. Do what you got to do. I see a right lot there. of guys too, where they'll accomplish things and they just hang their hat on that Yeah, and they just ride that train. Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, you did that four years ago. Yeah. You know, like I noticed that I was doing that after I ran the 37 miles. Yeah. Well, it's, and get, and I got, I, good. I got a dopamine hit for something that good. I did in the past. Well, that's why a lot of people too, they, they say, you know, uh, your brain doesn't know the difference, whether you're envisioning it or actually doing yeah. it. And so you get a dopamine hit, like oftentimes they say, don't share your goals unless it's with somebody who's going to keep you accountable. Yeah. If you share it with somebody who won't keep you accountable, you'll get a dopamine hit because they'll just be, oh, that's so cool of you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like- Then you, you don't have to earn it. Yeah. Then you don't have to. And even if you don't do it, you already got the hit, so mm-hmm. who cares? You, yeah. you didn't earn it. You yeah. just, you got a freebie. Mm-hmm. You got a taste, yeah. you know? You know, one time we were, I was deployed and our, our commander came in and he, he's like, hey, you better be on your shit tonight. He never said yeah. stuff like that to me. Yeah. Like, you know, I was professional at this point. I've been doing the job for years, you know? Yeah. And uh, anyway, so we're doing this mission. We had a we had a couple teams going into a compound. And oftentimes when you're on a mission, it's compartmentalized. So it's on a need-to-know basis. So part of the time, you don't even know who the target yeah. is. You're just like, okay, well, my job is we have assets in the area. We need to make sure that our team doesn't get ambushed or that yeah. there's no other forces coming in, something like that. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I hear over the comms, we got him, we got him, we got him, you know? And I'm just like, they don't usually get this excited, you know? Like, Cause you get a little desensitized. Like yeah. we, we, we take people out on a regular basis. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not unusual in war to, you know, find somebody be like, okay, they're here. Get we, the intelligence, yeah. give it to them. And, and then, then they, they run the mission. They do their job. But anyway, the teams come back and they're, they're like, yeah. They're like, did you hear we got him? And I'm like, got who? And they're like, Bin Laden. We got Bin Laden. I was like, that was the mission? <laughs> I didn't even know wow. that was the mission. That That's we were... probably a good thing, though, yeah. so you don't overthink it. You well, just show no, up and I do your thing. I was just doing my job, like yeah. not even wow. thinking anything of it, you know? And it was just crazy, though, wow. to think, hey, all right, well, I guess I was on that mission, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, That's cool. But I will tell you this. So I go to a lot of you know, events where there's guys like us that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, trying to make their way and trying to move and, and, and improve themselves. For instance, I had a guy's uh, retreat at one of my rentals in Bryce and we had like a little fireside and the guys just opened up mm-hmm. and like one of them was in the middle of a divorce. One of them, he was losing his business. One of them yeah. is like, Hey man, I'm, I'm really addicted to porn and it's become a real problem for me, you know, and just, just all these men open and some of them are crying, you know, and yeah. it's just guys like yeah. they're, and, and we had a guy even like filming the whole experience. And at the end, we pulled all the guys aside and did a one-on-one interview. Like, Hey, what was your favorite part? They all said that that was their favorite part. The first time that they got to be open and open vulnerable. and vulnerable with other men and say, Hey, look, man, like, it's okay. Like I'll, I'm here. I'll be your wingman. Like anything you need, just don't give up. Like keep going, you know? Yeah. And that that was like really early on when I started Warrior Ethos where I was like, man, this is a real thing. Like yeah. men really are, they're in a tough place. So what is Warrior Ethos? So I started Warrior Ethos because originally it was basically this idea, never surrender the journey. So when you're in the, when you're in the military, the Warrior Ethos, ethos is the characteristics or the- um, Spirit. It, yeah, it's the soul of yeah. what drives your decision making. Yeah. So it's who you are and why you choose to live the life that you do. Mm -hmm. And so as a warrior, this is something, you know, they used to say that warriors were 
um, or I guess it's defined now as mostly military or, you know, they participate in war and violent fighting and yeah. Yeah, fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go back to the history of the warrior, that has nothing to do with it. Warriors were respected for their ability to fight, but what they were mainly honored for was the fact that they served everyone in their community and in their family first. So they were willing to sacrifice themselves to serve their family and their community at a higher level. Mm. And, and so that's why I call it the warrior ethos. It's like, cool. I want men to go back to that. Let's serve our families and our community first. And yes, if we have to sacrifice ourselves a little bit, we're willing to do it because we're doing it out of love. We're doing it out of honor for those people. I don't know if it is sacrificing yourself. I think if you don't sacrifice yourself a little bit, that is a form of sacrificing yourself, you know? Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, I was driving with my daughter one time and I said, if I have to make sacrifices that other people aren't willing to make just to impact the lives of other people, then so be it. And I said, but in reality, if I'm becoming a better version of me in the process, is that really a sacrifice? That's a good point. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so the, mean, the, the, this you, is, you become the sacrifice in order to become right. a better version. There's always an exchange, right? And yeah. so it's like this sacrifice gives you something. So you're gaining something from it. Otherwise, you if you don't do that, you are the sacrifice and you're living a less than life. And then you get to a point where you're in this dark, deep depression. Why? Because you know deep down that you're meant for more, that you could do more, but yet you're not doing anything about it. So therefore you're the sacrifice. I think Jordan Peterson says like, you're going to suffer no matter what. Yeah. 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 So why not suffer doing something great? What might as well get something out of it. Might as well get something. Get some yardage. And offer something from yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think he, he, he kind of goes, the he believes that life is suffering yeah. with some happiness in between. Yeah. I don't know if I'm fully there yet. I, I think maybe it's just because I have a pretty positive outlook on life right now. I, but um, I don't. I wouldn't say he's wrong. No, you know? uh, he's yeah. not wrong at all. I believe in what, exactly what he's stating. Yeah. Right. Because you know, you you go down the traditional path of society, the path that they all want you to go down, and you will find suffering. Yeah. Right. Or you could have chosen suffering where you're designing your life and you're creating the exchange for what it is that you want, whether it's a healthier body, better finances. I'm willing to sacrifice this car or this house and not go get into that debt. And I'll go ahead and live over here and drive this for five or 10 years so that I can have more later. Right? So there, there's always a sacrifice. There's always suffering. It's whether you choose it or whether it finds you because you're just not really willing to make the exchange. Have you ever thought about when we talk about suffering like this? Uh, like even when I talk about basic training or you know some of the things I've been through, I do it with a smile because even though it was so painful, like I hated it. Then. Yeah. I hated it. It was miserable. If you look back, it's probably but, some of your best like years. Looking yeah. back on it, I yeah. get like, it's like a joy in yes. my chest and it makes me a sense of pride and fulfillment. Yeah. And just, just like, man, that was, that was cool. Yeah. Like, I, we, we got through it. Can you believe we did that? Like, that's cool. Yeah. You know? And so 
again, you're talking about like, was yeah. it really sacrifice? Was it really that painful? Well, yeah, it was. But that painful comes with something on the back yeah. end of it that you recognize as joy. Exactly. It's actually joyful. And, you know, it sounds like you're a masochist. Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah I enjoy pain. Yeah. But in a way you do, like when I look at, you know, uh, uh, Can't Hurt Me of David Goggins, yeah. you know, the dude enjoys pain to an extent. But he, not in the moment. Yeah. But when he looks back and he did it, he's like, that's right. Yeah. He's like, can't touch me, can't hurt me. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It's, yeah. And it's a level of fulfillment, confidence, all these all these other things. Well, understanding that you can endure suffering that other people can't brings you a sense of peace yeah. and fulfillment. Well, like, I don't even know if he... Put, 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 I, put him in any situation or circumstance. It's not going to be harder than what he does to himself. And so, therefore, that brings him a sense of peace. Well, and I wonder, like, does he even really compare to other people? Yeah. I don't think he does. Yeah. Why does he have it? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He's like, so why does he do it? Because there's a form there's of something peace in yeah. and fulfillment yeah. and ecstasy that other people will never understand because they will not make the exchange. So people will, will label him as this, that, or the other. Crazy. He's crazy. He's this. He's that. He's mentally unstable. Cool. Why do, why do people do that? It justifies why they are where they are and the actions that they're not taking. So therefore, they don't have to do anything extreme. They don't have to earn their way, right? Well, and I also want to put out there, though, I don't think that's the life for everybody. I don't. I don't think to that level. Right. I don't think to that level. That's what I'm saying. Because like, if you look at his life, I think he's had like three marriages and a divorce and like, you know, other things where like he... It's like he has this part of his life where he absolutely dominates. He's the best of the best of the best. Exactly. But there's these other aspects where there's lots of men who are trying to do this, this, and this, and they're actually succeeding in keeping all three. Maybe they're not to the level he is on yeah. any one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least they're they're keeping their heads up. You know, they're they're making things happen. They're making strides and making moves, you know. If you want to be um, the best at whatever it is that you do you're going to be very unbalanced in his very, situation. Very his is very, very unbalanced, you, right? You have to, but that's yeah. the, cause that's the exchange. He, yeah. That is the exchange. He's like, Hey, yeah. I don't have time for vacations. Yeah. I if, don't have time for a hundred. If, if you want what he has, you have to make the same exchange that he's made. Yeah. And some people just, they're not cut out for it. They're not built for it. And some people just don't flat out want to do it, which is yeah. fine. There's a million other things that you can do to make an exchange to make money. Yeah. You don't have to put your, your body through that type of physical pain or suffering, but you will have to make an exchange if you want to be healthy. Yeah. You will have to make a deposit in an area of your life every single day, whether it's 30 minutes, whether it's an hour, whether whatever you decide right. what the exchange is. But if you're not doing anything or making any deposits in the areas that you could feel fulfillment, see growth, see financial benefits, just like we leave our household from our families and this, that, this, you know, people go do that every single day to go try to provide for their family. Yeah. Like there's an exchange. There's always an exchange. The question is, is whatever it is that you're exchanging your time, money, energy, or effort worth whatever the outcome's going to be provided you do it for three, four, five, six, ten, twenty. Well it always it always blew my mind when I would meet people that were completely satisfied working nine to five. Yeah. You know, just chilling. They got their, you know, 
They have their career, their insurance, their home, their family, and they have no desire to do anything beyond that. And I, I, that's why I say I don't understand everybody. Yeah. Because my mind would never allow that. You don't like, have to. No. You know, that's the no, beautiful thing about it is, it, is everybody's and different. Yeah. And, and the, the more I'm, you know, getting up there in years, I'm not old, but I, I the, you know, the older I get and the more I experience, I realize that's what makes life amazing. Yeah. There are people who are completely satisfied mm-hmm. in chilling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to be a teacher, get three months of the year uh, paid in the summertime. And, and I want to do that for 40 years. And then I, I want to retire. To think they were miserable. You know? And then I was like, you know what? I don't think their suffering's any worse than mine. Yeah. And I'm I'm going balls to the wall, you know, yeah. trying to get stuff done. Yeah. And, you know, running into all kinds of challenges. Headaches, problems. Headaches, problems, yeah, stress, yeah. whatever. Employees leaving because you're too hard on I've said yeah. to my wife, I don't even, probably a dozen times, like, man, maybe I should have just been a chiropractor. Or yeah. So, you know, just like, just. Oh, you know. if you haven't second guessed and doubted and yeah. said, man, I should have went to school for this or that, you know, I should have. Well, when I got out of the military, know, I was yeah. in pre-med. Yeah. I did pre-med for two years. I was, mm. my plan was to go be a doctor. Yeah. And then, you know, we were, she got pregnant with number four and I was still working full time, doing full time school. And it was like, we went on a little date to go get some ice cream. And, and I said, Hey babe, this, this is going to be our life for the next 12 years. Yeah. Because once we finish undergrad, it's That's med school. Extreme. Once med school is done, then it's specialty school. Cause yeah. I wanted to be a orthopedic surgeon. That was my goal. Mm. And then, then you have your residency. I was like, we will not be done with school until our oldest daughter graduates high school. You know what she said? I think we'll get a divorce. Yeah. That's what she said. And I was like, to okay. Make some adjustments. Well, I guess we're going somewhere else. And that's that's actually how I found brand makers. Is that's so when I went into sales. Yeah, I went into started sales. making a couple hundred grand a year. Did did good for yourself. Well, and then I got hungry for something else because I was yeah. like, look, I'm a I'm a pen salesman. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm selling hats, t shirts, pens, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's when my grandparents passed away. And that bed and breakfast that they left behind that they had ran for 27 years, I just, my uncles, it went to the family trust and my uncles were planning to sell it out of the family. And that's why I say my first real estate experience was the wrong reasons. It yeah. was all nostalgia. Yeah. And, and keeping it in the family. Feelings. Yeah. And keeping it in the family. And, and I was willing to basically pay whatever. Uh, so all of those are not good ideas yeah. <laughs> when you're going into real estate, except for one. I refused to believe I could lose because it was my family's home. And I was just like, I'm not going to let this go. He says, I'm never, I'm never going to let this fail no Mm -hmm. matter what. Never. That's, you know, and I didn't, you know, COVID hit three months in. we thought we were dead in the water, but I refused to believe it. I was like, nope, we're going to keep going. Plan is, you know, just as our plan was set. And we did by the end of the year, we almost broke even. And then, you know, within a year of that, we, we had an opportunity to buy another bed and breakfast. Yeah. And then we had an opportunity to buy 10 cabins and then another house and then a trailer and then another house and then a cottage. And then, you know, it just kept, and it just kept going. Snowballing. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, after that first one, I realized I had completely struck gold in what I call a misfit market. Uh, you ever watch the movie Moneyball about the Oakland A's, Brad Pitt? Um, where he, he's like a statistician or something. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's basically my all time favorite baseball movie other than the Sandlot. Sandlot's like, um, 
Dumb but in that movie, he, he like, uh, you know, his assistant GM is like, okay, you need to, people have a fundamental misunderstanding about the game of baseball. It shouldn't be that we need to go buy players. It's that we need to buy wins. And in order to buy wins, you need to buy runs. And so he's like, there are players out there that get kicked to the wayside for all kinds of biased reasons, yeah. such as they have an ugly girlfriend, therefore they have no confidence. Or, you know, they have like, oh, he, you know, he Something walks that, weird. Yeah, yeah. Like he walks That like has nothing to do with their performance. Has nothing to do with the numbers. Yeah. And so he's like, if we go to the statistics, it cuts right through that BS. Can't lie. And so anyway, that movie really inspired me in a way where I was like, huh, I wonder if this applies to real estate. So I have this background in military intelligence where my job was basically to hunt down people and things that didn't want to be found and analyze tons and tons of data yeah. to, to try and either triangulate positions or track things down, et cetera. And so I started doing the same thing and I, I realized he, so he tells Brad Pitt in the movie, he's like, Hey, I need you to picture this as, a, as we're like gathering an Island of misfit toys. These are players that the league has rejected for one stupid reason or another, but we can afford them because they're cheap because everyone else has rejected them. Yeah. Therefore, I think we have a winning team within our budget. You know, in the beginning of the movie, Brad Pitt says that the problem we're trying to solve is there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Yeah. Then there's 50 feet of crap and then there's us. <laughs> when I got into real estate and I got this property out in the middle of nowhere, right? It's, it's a town of less than 500 people. Yeah. I mean, no growth in the area. It just seems like a dead end place to invest. But here's what I started analyzing is I started looking at outliers and I said, okay, let's look at this property. It's close to a national park. How many visitors are coming to that national park every year? It was around 2 million to 4 million visitors every year. That's a lot of freaking people. And I was like, how many rentals are within an hour drive of this national park? 1,800. It was roughly 94 people, visitors, per room available in there. So even if you're the worst room in town, it's gonna be you're going to book. You're going to book. So if you play to be the best in that town, bro, you're going to freaking cash out like crazy. Wow. So I realized this. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is a vein of gold. So as I started to analyze, I realized the little town I'm in, there's probably $30 million worth of rentals sitting there that no one has touched. And, and these people in these small towns, they're raised of a mentality like that's just more poor. Yeah. They don't think about these yeah. things, you know? They there's don't look a, for opportunities. There's a few there that are, and they basically have control of the majority of the stuff. But when I came in and I just started picking, people are like, what the heck? How's he, he doing, doing this? Yeah. How's he getting all these properties, you know? Yeah. And again, it was just the numbers. It's like, I don't care if I'm borrowing money at 10%, if, if I'm making, making a 42% yeah. profit margin. Yeah. Why would I give a damn about 10% interest? I don't, because I'm telling you, interest rates are going to come down. Give it two years, three years. It might even be this year. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But when it comes down, guess what? Happen. I'm going to refi. Yeah. I'm going to pull my cash out. I'm going to have a 3%, 4% interest on that. And, and I'm going to do it again. More. I'm going to take that money. I'm going to go get yeah. another property. But the reason I even went into real estate is I was like, hey, I told my wife, I was like, we need to figure out a retirement plan. Mm. I'm a 1099. Monthly cash flow. I'm a 1099. Yeah. So am I going to be selling pens and t-shirts yeah. into my 60s and 70s? Like, yeah. who's going to want to buy from me, my old yeah. wrinkly ass trying to, you know, knock yeah. doors or go to trade yeah. shows? Yeah. And so I said, let's start a retirement so, plan. So we started investing in, in real yeah. estate. And so this is why I actually started the Warrior Ethos program, because I was like, hey, there's other men who have 
not only struggled, you know, with Mentally, their persona and, and their and mental and, state, yeah. but they also are probably in a high performing job where they make good money, but they don't know how to retire. Yeah. They don't even know they where to know go. Where to yeah, yeah, where do you go? Yeah. Like if I came to you and I was like, hey, Trevor, if you put $80,000 into this boutique hotel, you'll probably make thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a year. And when we sell 10 years from now, you'll cash out about 400000 Yeah. Why would you say no to that? I wouldn't. And that's what I offer guys. I'm like, hey, look, I can either show you how to do it. You build your empire. You go, yeah. you go off and do your thing or come invest with me. Yeah. I already have a portfolio. I already have all of the so things. Can, can anybody like listeners right now invest with you or yeah. is it, they are they learning how to invest and so that they can go do it for themselves? So, or do they invest directly with you? Yeah. So I have like three different tiers of programs yeah. where they can either just take the online course, they can learn the skill set. Um, that's like my lowest level one. Then the middle one, I will actually coach them and I will coach them all the way to the point where they get their first rental. Okay. Once that's done, then they're on their own. Yeah. And then the highest one is where you actually not only do you get all the other stuff, plus you get to invest with me on, on projects. The properties. Yeah, yeah. And even if you don't want to invest with me, I will send you what options there are out there from my team. Because mm. like I have a team out there like scouting. Well, you probably get so many opportunities. You're going to pass on some of them too. Yeah. It's just like, okay, if I have 100 opportunities and I'm only wanting to invest into five or 10 or whatever, right? Like you yeah. need to, you know, have, have, uh, have a bunch of resources available to say, Hey, here you go. Do you, any of you guys want to invest so, in this? And there's plenty of money to be made in real estate, but you got to know what you're doing. And yes, you got to know the right people that have probably been there, done that. You've already made the mistakes, you know, stuff like that. I right. And so it's tens like, of thousands yeah, of dollars worth of that, That's the whole point, right? Is shortcut it, shortcut the money yeah. that you have to lose or the time that you have to spend in order to get the well, result that you want, right? So this deal I just did yeah. a couple days ago, I called Angel, my, my barber. I was like, hey man. You want in? I know this isn't what you were planning on. You guys were thinking of doing like a vacation home that you could use dual use. Like you guys could use it plus you could rent it out. Yeah. But look, this is a five room motel. It's gonna, it's gonna gross probably 250K a year. If you own 35% of it, yeah, 35%. Is, yeah, if we, uh, I'm planning 80 grand, 85 grand. Yeah. You're, you're going to make, I yeah. think they'll make like 50 to 60. But I'm like, that is an entire salary yeah. for the rest of your life yeah. if we don't sell. And then once yeah. we sell, you have equity, make more money. Got a bunch of money. Like, cause we should cool. sell, like, if we wait five, 10 years, that property should sell for 1.5 million. And they own 35%. That's a huge cash yeah. out. And guess what they had to put in? 70K. Yeah. That's it. 70K. How do people connect with you if they want to talk to you about coaching, mentoring, yeah. investing? Like where, where where would somebody go? So you can go to warriorethoslife.com. Okay. Um, that's the first place to stop. Okay. I got a little video on there that gives you kind of a free introduction to what I do. And then my Calendly is on there. So you can set a 30-minute okay. call. What about social media? Yeah, social media at Warrior Ethos Life. Okay. Or just on Facebook, Austin Lefevre. Yeah. So um, yeah, just reach out to me. And Honestly, most people- And he's got badass backpacks. <laughs> I do have backpacks, yeah. yeah. We also have uh, some concealed carry backpacks yeah. that we just launched this yeah. last month. Um, we actually even have diaper bags for women too. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I some people carry. have been, yeah, some people have been concerned about that because kids yeah, get into kids. the diaper bag yeah, yeah, yeah. for snacks and this yeah. and that. I just tell them, just don't keep one in the chain chamber yeah. because it's even hard for an adult to, to, to rack it. So, yeah. you know, anyway, but- 
if you're a concealed carry holder, you're usually yeah, very careful you know. and you yeah. know how to properly yeah. store your stuff. So yeah. anyway. Dude, um, no, man, I appreciate you coming down, dude, and driving a couple hours to be on the show and chopping it up with me. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit them up. If you're in the industry or looking for coaching in the industry, other than that, rate and review the show. Keep kicking ass. We'll see you next week.